Welcome to Ashes with Ash, a storytelling podcast from your tobacconist community, bringing you stories of life behind the cigar. Join me on this adventure to find the coolest cigar lounges, smoke some lovely cigars, and seek out the most incredible stories from our cigar lounge friends, owners, and customers. Let's tap into these untold stories with a little smoke and ash. Welcome to another episode of Ashes with me, Ash. Today, Jeremy is here from Estonia to tell us the stories and rich history of the beautiful Castagli cigars. I hope you all enjoy. All right. We're on. We're on. We're on. We're ready. Good to be Ashes with Ash. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Having some Ashes with Ash. What are we smoking? We're having the little Peravisa, perfect for the morning. Mm -hmm. Nice English bastardization of Peru. No, it's uh, basically um, one of the key tobaccos in our Villa Castagli line. Um, It's uh, Peruvian uh, Havano, and it's been uh, given an extra fermentation when it reaches the factory in Costa Rica, run by Don Allman. And he puts it through another two and a half months in the belong. It makes it lovely, oily. And I just wanted people to taste Peru, this purity. It's used It's one of the great blending tobaccos, but it tends to disappear in the blend, rounding off some of the strongest tobacco, um, like the Nicaraguan, which is paired in. But I just wanted people to taste it. Yes. Okay, it's got an Ecuadorian uh, wrapper. So it's a little petty exquisite. And... Um, yeah, voila. Uh, we got that going, and we got also uh, one of the other tobaccos, the Nicodita, which is also another Petit Exquisito, and those are the two key tobaccos in our Villa Castagli line. So people can pick them up, smoke them, and then smoke one of the actual blend. Yeah. Um, which, so there you go. That's what we're having with a cappuccino. With a cappuccino, necessary. I know. It's a very, I should be sort of like, you know, if you're coming from Europe, it should be all espressos and shit like that. But, oh, yeah. But after my... <laughs> Quite interesting week in New York and New Jersey. I this is my, you know, last little smoke before jumping on a plane, and I needed something just very smooth. Go a little lighter, smoother. Yeah, yeah. there's something like exactly. That, yeah. Wonderful. So take us back to the beginning. How long have you been smoking? What got you oh, into how long it? Been smoking. Yes. Oh boy, I'm going to be. Do you uh, even know? Speaking of, yes, uh, it used to be <laughs> child abuse. I think um, it's because uh, you know I went to. As, you know, I was from quite a privileged family, and as privileged families are, they throw their children into some of the toughest schools. So I was like torn away from home at the age of eight, had its disadvantages of um, uh, abusive prefects. Let's not go too well into that. You can always watch a bit of uh, what was that, Notting Hill or something like that. Somebody might have mentioned it. Um, anyway, and uh, so uh, one of the benefits of it, of course, is that actually in those days, I mean, prefects could smoke pipes. In their common room. Wow. Okay, and this is now we've gone to the school where I was about 13 years old, um, and the Christmas parties used to dish out cigars, even to the juniors. Yeah? That's amazing. And so I remember smoking two um, uh, Sir Winston's, if you believe. So they're kind of like sort of short filler things, and then throwing up violently in the toilet. That's where it started it. But I did enjoy the, the, the effect of the, the taste of the smoke, but I didn't enjoy, enjoy the nicotine that was hitting me afterwards. Right. Um, but then um, I always had a couple of cigars, you know, casually, you know, when things are celebrating and weddings and stuff like that. And, um, uh, but where it really started as a business um, was 20. 
five years ago, was it now, 26 years ago, 1996 in Cuba. And I was then dealing with some Havanos, you know, Havanos SA goods. Um, and in 1997, so how many years ago is that? That's 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Vlada, a lovely man here, said, Jeremy, you should do your 25 year anniversary, which I should do. But then everybody does, right? Um, so anyway, instead I celebrated it with the Cypher 331 months ago, which we might talk about later. But um, uh, so that's when the whole thing started for me. In Havana, I'd got to know um, a wonderful shop in Casadama Stud, it was called, uh, the House of Friendship in Vedado. And that's just outside the old town, Havana Vieja. It's all the splendid big old manor houses built in the sort of early 1900s were there. So um, I always used to turn up to Cuba after play Havana after placing my orders for Havana SA um, and check the goods, go and pick up a box of Oi de Monterey double coronas in uh, Casa Amistad and then head off down to a beautiful place called Maria La Gorda, which happens to take you through the lovely area of Pinada Rio and uh, Maria La Gorda, very famous for its scuba diving. Come back up after smoking through my box and um, pick up my goods and check them and get the cargo off and that would be like my week in Havana. Every once, every six weeks I'd be there doing wow. that for many years. So um, uh, it was a mid-1997, I picked up my double Coronas, got them back to my Casa Particular before heading off and Casa Particular is like an Airbnb. Okay. Uh, opened them up, they were all buggered, they were all cracked. I said, no. oh fuck, I didn't check them. I mean, I never needed to. Excuse for the fuck language. Oh, you no, have to do two funny. beeps now. <laughs> um, and uh, took them back to um, uh, Casa Amistad where Oscar was working. And I said, Oscar, look, it's a buggered box. And he said, no, we're all buggered here in Jeremy and Cuba. We don't have any more here. But you can take your factura down to the Media Kihiba and I'll replace it for you. Huh. And I said, well, you know, shame. I wanted to get them from you. And Oscar said, you know, Jeremy, every time you're coming here, there's the old boy sitting there, Carlos Valdez Moscato, doing his custom rolls. He said, he can roll the box for you. I said, yeah, but I mean, you know, I wanted to have like a, I know, that'd be like a custom roll, I know, but it's not my order monster double kroner. He basically said in a very polite way, but what he was actually saying, you stupid bastard, that guy was one of the great celebrity torcedores. Wow. Um, called El Pachero, the coat hanger. Um, and there's about four or five of them, including like uh, Gormito, the Santos brothers, Tabuala. Um, and these guys would be kind of farmed out around the world for Habanos doing rolling in Hong Kong or whatever. And when they come back, you know, with their $14 a month salary, um, they were allowed to do some extra rollings to supplement their income. And um, he, Carlos is famed for having rolled as a young guy in Oil de Monterey. And he's working with his original blends, and he gets hold of his leaves. And you want to say, "Oh boy!" At that stage, I was Jesus. What was I? I was in my early thirties, and um, uh, he was, I guess, in his sixties or something like that, mid sixties. So during the revolution, he was a teenager before then. Rolling, wow. right? <laughs> so um, uh, we, um, uh, he kind of put the box of Oil de Montreux double croners together, took the bands off, gave me that box, and says, "There you go, go and smoke those." But I smoked one there and then, of course, and it blew me away. That was my eureka moment. And I said, 
Um, Carlos, I mean, if you know anything about having a new cigar rolled, I mean, he just rolls it, right? Yeah. Uh, but the youth hasn't, doesn't set in for at least two or three weeks. Right. Okay? Because that's when the oil start mixing and expelling moisture. In fact, you right. get that bitterness. So you can smoke a cigar quite freshly made. Uh-huh. Okay? Um, and so, you know, he rolled them up. I actually, t- it was a d- the day after I went to pick them up. And um, I smoked this thing. It's fucking delicious. So I said, could you start creating different sizes? with that blend for me and he said of course so you know the Grand Cafe what was the kind of Grand Cafe was was my original Lancero um, he in about three years after that meeting with Roll for me also the Flying Pig so, Drew Jonathan that was before I went to America <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was it was it was actually uh, adhering to the size the Flying Pig size it was this 54 wow. to 58 gauge by um, 5 inch with a close top and um a little pigtail at the end and uh so he was doing all these brands that's what was the start of our brand um uh we used to call it then bespoke cigars because okay. we rolled them for hotels some of the members of the saudi royal family certain sportsmen including great tennis player andre medvedev andre if you're listening to this sorry about that humidor i made you years ago it was a fuck up i know but um uh he was wonderful he used to go to the tennis matches with him and stuff providing i had the cigars yeah. cigars were doing the talking not me um and so that was the start of it yeah wow and we started creating i mean uh, habanos well, it wasn't Havana SSA, it was uh, Tuba Cuba, uh, and they, the Oscar Basulto, then president, used to sign for my cargoes, and it, I was allowed to do this small production of my own brand. Um, and later I found out, of course, that my family had a big tradition from Cuba since 1951, no way. where my great-uncle had brokered the um, uh, business with the Cubans to distribute their sugar in the British Empire, as well as their premium tobacco, which we did embargo in 1941. All our premium tobacco for the empire used to come from Jamaica wow. because of currency controls. We were in the shit in yeah. Germany, and also after the war, we owed you guys a lot of money. So um, uh, that stopped because of my great uncle. That's in the made front pages, headlines in the Daily Express. You can read it online. Um, and that's why the Cubans said, Jeremy, you are okay here. Nice. And so that it was. I couldn't make a huge amount, but that's the start of it. Right. And that's why I could do it and how I could do it. Because if anybody knows anything about Cuba, you can't make your own brand and work up there like you can in Nicaragua, Dominican, Honduras, whatever. Yeah, that's incredible. But there I managed to do it. Wow. Um, we made, I think, around about ten to 15,000 cigars a year initially. And wow. I think the maximum we got was 25,000, but we're, it was top premium stuff. So yeah. you could maybe actually find living with it, actually. Wow. That's yeah, unbelievable. Okay. There you go. That's the start. Do you have any from the beginning that you saved to age? Nope. Um, I don't, but uh, one man does. Oh, wow. Uh, his name is uh, Prince Khalid in Saudi Arabia, and I was there in September. He says, I got some of the old stuff, Jim, from uh, Carlos Valdez. Let's go there from you. Uh, we created the Kingdom KSA cigars for him initially, which were kind of like become a myth. Yeah. I've heard people writing Lamentous Cigar. I heard you were the guy behind it. And basically, uh, PK used to come, Prince Collett, so I'm calling PK, he used to come to um, Cuba with me, and my guy on the ground there, Pepe, used to take him to, obviously, Carlos was his core line, and then he also made with Tabado, Cuerto, all his bands were being put on by uh, Particus Factory, a guy called Abel sorted that out. And so, actually, KSA, I, I, I'd left Havana behind me about 2010, to be honest, you know, I kind of... I, I, 
there was a lot of political changes and mm. I couldn't scale up uh, but he was still going strong wow. I think our KSA cigar line made Pepe a very wealthy, wealthy man because I said Pepe you're doing all the work now when I moved away um, from Havana business and I mean the restaurant and all sorts of shit from it and uh, yeah I think it was good like a 25 20,000 25,000 a year wow just for, just for Saudi alone yeah Jeez. and PK does not sell them he only gives them to friends okay that's his thing so sweet sweet lovely man that's awesome. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. So where did it go from there? How have you progressed? Where do yeah. you grow the tobacco now? Well, I don't grow any tobacco. Um, <laughs> I'm not an agricultural engineer. Yeah. Um, I am not a master blender, let's be very clear about that. Right. Um, but I'm like the producer of the film, and I know what I want. So actually, um, when I left Cuba behind me, um, I knew some of the Cubans which had like defected that worked for Habanos. Mm. So a lovely guy, Jorge, went to, he was in Costa Rica. Um, he defected. Many Cubans go to Costa Rica and get away from that political system, which we know is a rotten one. Um, and um, he introduced me to Inversiones Gonzalez Martinez factory. And also, I went up to see Don Allman, Tobacco's de Costa Rica. Mm. So we started experimenting with some blends with them. Okay. Um, uh, but not something, there was, there was some from Tobacco's de Costa Rica we put our band on. Our original band, was, which had the Colossus of Rhodes. If you see, it's like a big black Colossus of Rhodes. There's old, old cigars. <laughs> um, and the Colossus of Rhodes being our family trading symbol since 1885, actually. Wow. So... Um, uh, then after about a year of doing some interesting stuff with them and I was creating some stuff for my Saudi market, sort of like custom roll Jeremy Castagli cigars, um, I was introduced to the Kilner Boutique Factory. Um, and basically, H Hendrick Jr. worked with his dad in Davidoff for 19 years. He opens his factory up in, I think it was the beginning of 2012. I turn up around 12 months after that. Um, I, I, today my, my bloody mind escapes me was it 2012 or 13 I cannot remember um, but I remember when the production first came out um, in full scale would have been in I think early 2013 I think it was tasting 2012 there and um, yeah uh, I haven't looked back really wow. I mean a lot of people know our traditional line basilica line cabinet yeah. selection stuff like that um, so that's what we did there and then the people that love our Daughters of the Wind line, um, which was launched in 2018 because the demand for our cigars was too big right. for what we have. Of all those people out there that we're always running out of stuff, I do apologize. Nature of the business. We are trying right. to correct it. We're trying to get extra rollers into the KBF factory. I know Hendrick's working hard on it. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, so Daughters of the Wind came from Inversiones Gonzalez Martinez. I never forgot mm. about those guys from when I was doing some stuff with them in 2012. And then also um, Tobacco's de Costa Rica, we now launched the Villa Castagli line. Wow. So, you know, we got the all three boutique factories. Chuck yeah. all those rollers together of all of them, and you'll probably sit in a little corner of Placentia. You know? Yeah, that's <laughs> so, amazing. You know, so there you go. Wow. Yeah, light up. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Good. So, there we go. So that's the overview of the history. Yeah. I mean, 
to give you an idea now, for we're, we're only making, I think it's around 250,000 cigars a year. This includes these little exquisitors. Wow. Uh, but we're in about 38 countries now. Amazing. Yeah, which is still tiny compared yeah. to the big boys. Um, but, uh, you know, we had, it was a very interesting that um, when uh, Charlie from Halfwell did this thing called a consensus, which mm-hmm. I might have showed you the other night, and that's when he creates this sort of like uh, uh, basically a statistical report on cigars that have been talked about across 48 media outlets. Just doing a statistical thing. It's not about good or bad, just what they're talking about. It could yeah. be bad reviews, could give you as many talks as the good ones. You right. know, you never know. So, um, and then he says the most the companies which are most talked about, uh, and you had your Drew Estate and your uh, and and. Um, uh, Dunbarton are always like the top two apparently right. um, and uh, then you had I think uh, obviously Davidoff Herbanos Crown Heads something like this but yeah. we were equal seventh of Arturo Fuente as far as just noise wow on, in magazines bloggers or podcasts like this whatever um, yeah. so um we're the little mouse that's roaring I suppose yeah and uh, we've been up for some Cigar Journal Awards the second year running which we didn't get this year, beaten by Toscano. I'm not sure it's a premium cigar, but it's obviously a very popular one. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people were a bit, there was a bit of a hush in the crowd when that came out. Yeah. I think it was uh, us and Casatolant and two others were like, mm. what the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, but, but we're very happy with how we're being received. Um, and we have obviously opened this new collection as well for our um, accessories, which is a tactical move. Yeah. We call it the Villa Castagli collection. And we'll set up for plain packaging in the future when people can't market the cigars, but you can market accessories mm-hmm. with a like a equivalent close trademark, but not the same trademark. Right. Interesting. So, you know, we're, we're doing that, and that's going very, very well also for us. Good. Yeah. What's your favorite cigar of yours? Um, if they're going to shoot me tomorrow and I had my last cigar, um, it would be one of two. Uh-huh. So I make mention too. Can I break your rules? Yes. Um, Grand Cafe Lancero and the Cremelo Lancero from Daughters of the Wind. Yes. Because I'm a Lancero mad. I've always loved Lanceros. Love them, me too. Uh, even though I started off loving Oil de Monterey Double Coronas, um, I kind of always loved the Slim Cigar. Yeah. It's very traditional. Yeah. It's the one that my dad used to smoke. Oh really? You know, and you know, um, those they all the thin thin ones. It's going back to true tradition tradition actually for sure yeah so Before what's the revolution what's the story behind the daughters of the wind mm, well we had to make it <laughs> um was there uh, a story it, behind that one or is it just the well pig? no 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 it's 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 um it was an interesting one because um we had so much demand that we could not meet demand with cake on boutique factory and um jose um, of Inversions Gonzalez Martinez had always been making these stuff for, stuff for me for Saudis so we knew we could depend upon him so I went down to see him um, in 2018 after IPCPR and my guy on the ground there Jorge used to work for Habana Short Filler worldwide mm-hmm. we used to smoke long filler stuff together but that was his job <laughs> um, uh, and the interesting thing about that factory is they procure amazing tobacco um, and they also have their own plantation in Periscal. I think it's the only one 
very close to Tobacco's de Costa Rica, you drive back there each time. It's a very small plantation, but beautiful. It looks like rice paddies up in the mountains. And um, that's, uh, you make some very good um, uh, for combustion. We use that for our rapidly, uh, sorry, our um, uh, binder. Okay. Right? Um, so the interesting thing is that Jose does not smoke. Does not smoke cigars or cigarettes? Wow. Nor does Rebecca, his mad wife, or Aaron, his son who works with him. Wow. So we get to be amateur chefs giving great ingredients. Yeah. And we pick the tobacco and we smoke them like you're smoking now in Pezic, Squizzitos, all that panatellas. And then we set aside the stuff that we like and he gets really great stuff because he has access to um, the wonderful tobacco in Peru. He's got his own plantation now in Ecuador for uh, wrapper leaves. Um, and we have this amazing sort of playground. So um, I wanted to choose a very special name for it. Yeah. Um, the Daughters of the Wind which we had dallied with, with Tobacco's de Costa Rica back in 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. We created a Dachman there. So um, a story behind the, the name, because, of course, we all got our bloody stories, and Robert Caldwell's great for, like, uh, sending these ones up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. <laughs> no, I wasn't rescued by dolphins and taken to a secret <laughs> island. Oh man. Oh man. No, all our stuff, we like to sort of take people back to the golden age of Egypt, um, where we built our beautiful palace, the Villa Castagli, and you see that on a lot of things. You can look at it at Whitepedia. Villa Castagli, or Casa Aldubara, which is his official name. Um, but actually, people lovingly called it Villa Castagli. Okay. Um, and it uh, was the American embassy during World War II, by the way. Quite wow. a fascinating place. So, um, the Daughters of the Wind adheres to um, uh, Egyptian racehorses, and we mm-hmm. started breeding. Um, uh, the Dahman breed saved one of the four cornerstones of Egyptian racehorses in um, 1918 when we bought this Sheikh Abayd stables in Egypt. We were basically a family based in Egypt and Manchester for the Egyptian cotton trade. We had that since 1860 was our business until the Suez Crisis in 1958. So um, uh, I think it's a beautiful sweeping name. Um, and you can Google our family history of that if you're interested (laughs) if you're not falling asleep by now Uh, you can can do Daughters of the Wind Castagli now you get my fucking cigars but if you then go one further and say Manchester which is where we are known as the Manchester and Cairo family um, you'll get the independent blog by a chap in the World Bank an Egyptian whose love for Egyptian racehorses um, uh, has created this big sort of like blog and you see all the Castagli history in it so so Dahman was the breed we saved and all the colours of the cigars, Sabino, Calico, Rabicano, Cremelo, these are the colours that if you're an equestrian mm-hmm. you will know that this is what uh, you refer to, the various colours and spottings and blotches on the horses. Ah. So that's how it is, yeah. Interesting. And we picked up unique tobaccos. So we, at the time, uh, from Peru, most people know Pelo de Oro, which at that stage was um, in 2018. It just was uh, failing as a harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, and Granado, who runs that wonderful plantation in Tarapoto area, had used um, seed, calls it Peruvian Pinar, Peruvian Habano. And uh, we chose Peruvian Pinar 
and I used to make this incredible Dominican stuff they did. Mm. Uh, we call it, it was very light and like caramel and sea salt, so we call it the caramello leaf. Because oh. um, he, he wouldn't give me the field designation number or the grower <laughs> because he thought that, you know, maybe I'd leak it to Hendrik. I don't know. Yeah, right. So, um, so we had that, and then he'd do something extra special with some, uh, we call it Dominican Oscuro. Uh, and he gets um, this, uh, some of these leaves. And he puts it in a plong for like two and a half years. And I've got pictures of it. Where it's like as black as your T-shirt. And, and a little drip of water, doing it the proper way, no tricks. Huh. And so we got that as the rich tobacco, and the edge is taken over by the Peruvian. And then you got the Costa Rican binder. And those, when we came out with that line in 2019, and Reinhold Widmeyer's Cigar Journal, came up and I went through the tobaccos with me and said, I haven't heard of any of them at that stage. They're all new, other than the um, uh, wrapper, which is Ecuadorian. Yeah. So, um, uh, Ecuadorian Habano from the Olivar family. In, yeah. in Los, not the, the, the brand, you know. Right, right. In, uh, Los Rios area of Ecuador. So that is the cigar and it's, it's expensive to make. So forgive me, folks, but it's kind of on a higher end there, but it's, it's worth well it. worth it, I think. Definitely. You know? That is, I love that cigar. I've only had the older Robusto one, but I want to try the Lancero now the Robu- one. Now, the older Robusto one. Yeah. With a different band. A different, right? Because, you see, I told you, we dallied with Daughters of the Wind with Tobacco's to Costa Rica. Yeah. And this is factory's fame for Atabay and Byron and Bombay. What happened to Bombay? I don't know if it's like gone now. Yeah, I never see them anymore. Yeah, uh, and 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 so and Vega Santiago, of course, which is uh, one of the partners of that factory many years ago. That's primarily based in Switzerland. Um, so uh, that line of that robusto, mm-hmm. okay, has not got the blend we're talking about with the golden ring. Right, it's um, but it had a blend which was really dear to us. And I'd been doing for Ireland for many years. Yeah. And we dilly-dallying it for, um, we thought we'd just get a limited release of a band on it. Daughters of the Winds, and pay homage to where the stables were originally settled. Right. Um, and did it as an American exclusive. Vlad was really into it. So we um, did that for America. Nobody else got those wow. other than America. That's amazing. Yeah, and we need to maybe do another one. We did the COVID release, of course. Oh, right, yeah. I remember that. So we got some over to Europe so I can put the plain packaging on them. Yeah, yeah. And um, sent them to Vlad. So we'll see if we do that again this year. Who knows? Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I know. I feel so bad. I'd get to smoke and you're just talking. Your cigar keeps going out. No, well, it keeps going out (laughs) because it's a very slow burner. It is, Um, yeah. It's... uh, I like it's, it though because it, 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 it lasts lovely. longer. But it, but it, but it, it, yeah, I mean, it's it's because it's got that extra fermentation of two and a half to four months. It won't tell me exactly because that's proprietary. Yeah. Um, but it makes it really oily, and we had to have a to taste that Peruvian. We got a binder leaf from Ecuador, but we dried out, dried out, rehumidified to take the taste and the oils away, uh-huh. so people taste Peru. Yeah. yeah. So that was purely there for combustion, no to add the thing, and then we got an you know, and it just. Um, yeah, it does. It's a slow burner. You think you've got this petty exquisite, it's going to last you 15 minutes, but right. you're 25 to 30 minutes in. It is. Or yeah. you're even nattering away an hour. You know, I smoke too fast. I need to calm down. Well, not at all. <laughs> I mean, you've been going at it for 20 minutes, you know. Exactly, yeah. It's true. Okay, so what about the flying pig? Tell us the flying pig story. Oh, you get me to trouble, aren't you? No. <laughs> um, well, this is. What I understand from that story, that wonderful thing, it's quite funny. I think that's why you asked it. Uh-huh. So, um, 
when I used to go to Cuba at Prince Khalid, the deal was you know, he'd come for a week and I'd um, pick him up from Melia Cahiba like 9 o'clock, 9.30, and we'd do our rounds picking up the cigars and that we'd organise for him as well as smoking a few. And mm-hmm. One morning, 2001, I think it was, or 2000, maybe 2001, whatever, um, I turn up, he's not there, and then he turns up with his um, strange cigars. He said, I just went out and did some stuff for myself. He said, wonderful PK, eventually <laughs> out there. And um, he'd met a certain uh, torsador called Hamlet. Mm-hmm. I believe he worked for Rocky Patel now. Oh, wow. And I think it was at the Corona factory, or Remy Hillier's factory. And um, he created this 54 by 58 thing, right? Mm-hmm. Coned uh, with his um, enclosed top with a little tail. And he said, um, I said, what are this Vitola? He says, well, Hamlet told me it's called a flying pig, but he wasn't quite sure of the origins, but it's a flying pig, yeah? Um, and that's what PK told me. Anyway, so um, PK said, I love these. So we need to put the mold together. He wanted to put the mold. Um, and because we used to make them in Cuba with the molds that he'd made. And um, we put Carlos's uh, blend in there, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I went back with some of these and I went to Dunhill's there's a chap called David Frenzel there and I said David flying pig do you have any idea because they have a great archive he got in touch with me that same week he said Jeremy it was a Davidoff story I said really he said yeah yeah he said uh, apparently there was a cigar made pre-revolution for Daniels probably by H. Upman I think <coughs> I think it was um, had a date on it or a 15 something or other you know like a number mm-hmm. for Dunhills. and as they did the opening uh, in their lounge with some of their sort of chosen clients one guy looked at it and said with that shape he said if that is long filler and well packed and draws pigs will fly so it became lovingly known as the flying pig wow okay so um, of course me being established then in Cuba all those years um, uh, well, I was not trading in America actually not until 2015 and um, but I realised that obviously with trademark that uh, Jonathan obviously trademarked that wonderful name why not you know yeah quite like, you know. and so um, we I was sitting in the Playboy Club with my um, flying pigs from uh, from Hendrick Junior yeah and um, we created a blend a stab you know kind of really to get close to my Cuban blend of this thing mm-hmm. we did it beautifully um and uh, Playboy Club, a little girl walks past with a cotton tail, of course. <laughs> and it was a homage to them as well as our family's cotton business. It just came to me, cotton yeah. tail. It's a lovely name because it has that little cotton tail or yeah. pigtail at the top, right? So it was born. So we wanted to, when we created a Villa Castagli line, mm-hmm. go back to the, because Hendrik made a really more extreme size. It's like um, 52 to 62 or he says 64 you know so anyone the Cubans can do we can do better right yeah. so anyway he did that um, and I want to get back to that 54 to 58 the original flying pig Vitola I mean not the actual name of a cigar but the Vitola yeah. right so it goes to that and uh, I said well what are we going to do we can't call it a flying pig I'd like to do that but we can't and uh, there's a chap in who put a whole lounge here, Luke Dobbs, who made the Dubois cigar for him. He is an amazing character. 
a great um, he, he's a great retail specialist so he managed Adidas in Russia for instance and the Selfridges food, uh, shoe, shoe department and he's with his money made from Russia he put the lounge together which you can see pictures mm. of and he's looking at his um, <coughs> it is Google so origins of the flying pig came from Sigmund Freud another great smoker somebody asked Sigmund Freud what's your mind like he said my mind is like a pigasus and he said, don't you mean Pegasus, the flying horse? He said, no, Pegasus, like a flying pig, because you know pigs can't fly. <laughs> and he said, my mind is impossible. Wow. <laughs> and that's the origin of that expression. I love that. Isn't that, that lovely from a cigar smoker? So we have the Pegasus as our Villica Stagli line. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have names that, I mean, you know, I do think it's important that Yes, people say, you know, there's all these names and stuff, but surely it's about the tobacco. Well, not exactly. Yeah. It's also about sitting around and discussing stories. Exactly. Rather like um, a great example would be Cartier. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got that square, iconic watch, right? Yeah. It's called the tank. I don't know if you ever know. I understand that. If you look uh -huh. at it, it's Cartier tank. And it was created after World War I, for Christ's sakes, to honour the French tanks oh, and wow. British tanks. So if you look at it from the top, you can see that it was very square, comes out on each end before where, the, where, your, where your spring is going to be. Uh -huh. yeah? And it looks like that's where the tracks would have been with the indented superstructure in the middle. Wow. Okay, so it was honour to honour the French victory and, yeah. and and British victory using tanks over the poor Germans as they didn't want to fuck at these great big beasts. And so they made the Cartier tanks. So there's a story, and now you're wearing a watch and Cartier. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So when you talk about tobacco, and of course it's where Robert takes it to the extreme, and that's funny too. Yeah. You know, and because and he's kind of takes the piss out of it a little bit because he's a kind of bit of a gorilla guy. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, who, by the way, loves um, small gauges like I do. And he's an extremely fun, nice chap. And we always get on when we see each other, despite the fact he doesn't drink anymore. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, the stories are important. To get the attachment, and that's why we do these beautiful marketing booklets showing the old palace and the old times that we were at our glory days, and uh, it kind of creates something. Yeah. Yeah? Which is what we're doing with Cypher 3311, which many of you would have come across recently. Yes. Um, on the stories, and then we launched it in Vegas. Okay. Um, but this is obviously to one of my grandfather's um, sad period as a prisoner of war of Germany for mm. four years, and how he protested against Hitler with his embroideries, which... Wow, yeah. Which That's the one with the coffin? Out. Yeah, they come okay. with coffin boxes. That's a bit unfortunate, isn't it, with what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's called right. them interior boxes. There we go. There we go. Yes, and, and the exterior <laughs> box as well. And it's got, he kind of had a hidden Morse code in his embroidery he did, which uh, if you read, look at the Morse code and read all about it, somebody might know about it. It says, fuck Hitler. And the Germans had no idea. That's they great. let him hang it on his cells, <laughs> and they, was having, they basically was fucking Hitler the whole time. He was a man that stitched up Hitler, and a very brave member of MI9. Um, sending back coded messages from the camps and helping with escapes and so we honour him with the cipher 3311 and honour yeah. the Red Cross without his help right. he wouldn't have got through it so we kind of donate to that now that story so many people have attached to that's the story we made a very unique blend and a cigar with it yeah. and it's a very high end cigar because I have to invest in these things right. for over a year before I release them wow. Yeah, and with all those 
interior boxes, exterior boxes, very limited production, and which enables me to actually deliver some funds to the Red Cross for each cigar sold. That's um, I donate personally, um, and they are very honoured to be a part of my grandfather's story. Yeah. And so they allow that to be spoken about in the insert of the boxes. So they're collectibles. I mean, yeah. Wow. Love it. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so that's where we're doing that. So is he letting me go out? Yes, the last what time. Happened? I think it's amazing. The end now. <laughs> yes. What do you like to pair your cigars with? Um. Good people. Oh, that's a yeah. corny thing. No, it's um, true. no, but I think if I was to choose, uh, top of mind, like anything, choosing clothes, uh-huh. you know, if you like it and you should immediately just get it. If there's some doubt, stop it. So for me, um, uh, Añejo con Yellow, which would be Havana Club. You can't get that here, but you can get like Añejo rum, five year age, not the really um, old stuff, the 15. Mm-hmm. Tall glass with ice. On the other. Nice. That's okay. that's what you would be drinking away with a torcedor in Cuba. Sure, somebody buys them a daiquiri or mojito, he'll drink it. But what they actually love would be añejo con yellow. Okay, yeah. um, and bourbon. Oh, yes. um, and if it's going to be bourbon, is uh, not to be mixed with the Añejo con yellow. <laughs> yeah, really don't mix it. Um, bourbon, I love with it. And um, if it's one cocktail, the uh, bourbon, old fashioned. Mm, yes. It's the it's the rounded taste and slight sweetness that goes to conflict with that inherent spiciness of tobacco. Yeah, you know, we're not making candy here. Right. And we say sweet, but it's always going to have that little bit of spice. And if you give it to a newbie, they're going to well, they're going to taste the spice, right? So you have um, uh, basically that's what I pair. It with. Lovely. I'm the same way. I like to do just straight bourbon, but if I do do a mixed drink, I'll do an old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. Just goes, this is me. And but, coffee. Well, if you want tequila or anything else, fine, but that's my personal thing. Yeah. Coffees, of course, and the cabinet selection was made after that. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's why they're all the short cigars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Ristretto was the company's Ristretto coffee one. We're trying to get close to um, uh, what the coffee's and how it's named after, you know? Yeah. And we had, by the way, we had a very fun one with the Rosetta. Okay, oh, yeah. the Rosetta, which is the swirl of froth, right, on a oh, cappuccino. Yeah. And uh, in Germany, it wasn't selling. Mm. Uh, Thomas Geisler, I was in the car with him. He's worked so hard for us. He's amazing. He works for our distributor, Kleinnagels there. A company with an old history, and an old history, funny enough, that uh, has merged with the Mirafels from Arturo Fuente fame and mm. Cameron Leaf. That's another story. <laughs> but there I was with Thomas, and I said, why isn't the Rosetta selling? He says, well, Jeremy, Rosetta, in German, is slang for asshole. <laughs> I sold him. Well, look at it. It's like a little butt plug, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you're some oh sort of God. cryptocurrency crook in yeah. Germany and you smoke cigars, well, it does what it does. It says on the can, doesn't it? Oh and my so he laughs. I said, "So you honestly tell me, oh, Thomas, you got like the arsehole stone, uh-huh. you know, and then the arsehole satellite?" He says, "Well, I suppose yes. It's like shit crisps, isn't it? And in Japan." And so, and so uh, there we we had to change the name to Bonneo, oh, which is gotcha. the wonderful um, uh, binder leaf. That's okay. in that, which uh, um, Hendrik Jr. has uh, got hold of, and that's around 20 years old. That binder leaf, because it's from a harvest from 2002 that didn't work out. It was all the leaves are too small, so that particular leaf has got a name. I can't. And we call it, you know, just something special. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, we use that. It's perfect for the binder for wow. the little Rosetta. That's so cool. Yeah. 
that. So I imagine you visited a lot of cigar lounges in the world. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Oh, doobie. That's the, you can't <laughs> say that. I, I would say uh, we have our own lounge, of course. People love mm-hmm. that. I'm sitting in here in this wonderful lounge, too. Right. They're all fine places. But I suppose the one that is in my mind, which I'm going to mention, because it is uh, very sad, because a uh, Dutch government enforced closure of no smoking there, was Hyenas. Why was it special? It's, it's the second oldest place for smoking in the world after J.J. Wow. Fox and the two lovely ladies that run it you know they're both very beautiful mm-hmm. you have the lovely Iris STG owns it right mm-hmm. um, and you have Iris and Naomi and you think well they're here for their beauty aren't they but my god they're palettes wow. so actually Iris she there's the blending for the pipe tobacco for hyenas she's only 26 now i think wow. and also for some of their short fillers and naomi is an absolute cocktail expert and pairer and she used to be um uh, even outsourced to some of the top hotels in amsterdam wow. when they were creating cigar cigar lounges in, in, in them like um uh, there's a place uh, freddy's which is was phenomenal and all of this stuff is closed so wow. i mention that as a homage to them favorite sure. places for memory which can be no more right is hyenas to you Naomi and Iris yeah. and they're still there Cheers. and they've got a little chair outside the front door now that people can smoke oh. and it's a two tiered it's beautiful but there's so many beautiful places Club Mareva in, in Croatia is very close to our hearts and it's one mm. of my favorites for sure okay. um, and that's where we make the Club Mareva cigars for Marco Bilic the founder of the Cigar Smoking World Championship yeah. and then we have a sister lounge we have part of our lounge one of our lounges mm-hmm. is a Club Mareva in our big area about 350 square we have two cigar lounges there you see Amazing. so we have a Club Mareva there and also Beirut opens a Club Mareva I'm heading there next week and it's in homage to Marco what he has done you are smoking in a 1550s Venetian palace. Wow. In the heart of Split. You look out the window, you've got a Roman wall to your left. You're in Venice. And if you look at the square on the right, you have a Habsburgs. And you're looking at three wow. different arch- empires just by looking out the window. Many Jeez. famous people have made their way there. It's very small, a labor of love. Marco, each time I see him, says, oh, we had some American football guy turn up. He was really a big shot. We don't know about American football, but he, these people make their way into a private club, but they'll always let you in, especially if you're coming from abroad. Wow. And if he's there, he's one of the great hosts as well and entertainers. Wow. So magic places in Club Mareva splits. So I'm going to mention that. Yeah. So the three. I was in, in uh, Tallinn, which, of course, is in a building from 1605 to um, 1800 because it's like built built across two old buildings Wow! and that's in the heart of the old town and people gone there especially American soldiers because we're in Estonia and we're on the front line that's where I'm based and you've got these guys saying if only we could have something like that because of course you can drink there as well we have the gin bar whiskey bar cocktail bar gentlemen's hairdressers Italian uh, designer suits and um, mm. uh, the shoes we tailor make, wow. um, hand make, and plus the two cigar lounges. Wow, that's a lot. Come, oh, we had <laughs> people coming. Right we have, yeah, we got it, and we and we did have about um, uh, very the most well-behaved drunks I've ever seen <laughs> was when the American aircraft carrier group pulled up, full of very polite 
smoking and drinking Yanks. Okay, wow. and of course they have dry ships, so they were looking for a good drink, and they're so well behaved, all wow. of them, man, sir, on everything, right? Uh-huh. Um, so uh, we are very busy at these days with uh, Russia's yeah. naughtiness to having all these military guys turning up and smoking there. So it's been great fun. That's incredible. You get a taste of a European lounge. Yeah. Right. Wow. But there's so many beautiful lounges. Oh my gosh, but I'm yeah. just uh, I, I in America. In fact, when you go to any lounge, you have this wonderful feeling of camaraderie, right. um, which I you know which makes each one special because of that conversation. I was just obviously you know here was wonderful. I was mm-hmm. just up in um, Matador in Roslyn, mm-hmm. which has just had me cracking up with the characters there. A beautiful place because of the people there as well as yes. well as they always go for beautiful aesthetics. Right. I mean, smoke lounge in, in Philadelphia is very different, but really grungy and cool. Oh, yeah. Um, and in the heart of Manayunk, yeah, you know, uh-huh. it's wonderful. Um, and I always tell new people that are joining this fraternity and sisterhood, you know, they ask about the lifestyle. I say, well, well done, because, you know, now... If you go, say, you've got a business meeting in Baku, you know, nobody there, you arrive a night early, go to the lounge in Baku, within two or three, you know, probably within half an hour, people's going to ask you what you're smoking, or you ask them, it's a hobby for people there, and you're going to know about the politics, the best restaurants, what's going on. So wherever you go in the world, you go to a cigar lounge, and uh, you can be a stranger, and you then take it in, you get to know what's going on. And that is the beauty of this. And that is why every bloody lounge is special. So true. Beautiful. I love it. So what does the future hold? Uh, Future hold for my company or cigar business? Um, Well, for the company, um, yeah, we've, well, we, you know, we we have to be doubling our production. Yeah. Um, We... Um, have got because of the COVID thing the cigar boom occurred across the world not just here for sure and also for the demise of um, the Havanos production means there's a huge sort of like vacuum for cigars now across the world and China's opening up for this mm-hmm. so the future is a, we need a, we're going to expand but expand very slowly because we want to keep the quality yeah um, we are looking at some new projects for factory and potential for tax, factory ownership as well um, along with tobacco process whatever we've got some negotiations at the moment and if it materializes wonderful and if mm-hmm. it, when it and if it does and that happens then it'll be publicized obviously we, we got some great collaborations yeah. which we're going to look at but i can't mention anything more now right. um so the future could be very interesting if that doesn't happen then we still got a you know a wonderful new lines we're looking at because mm-hmm. we have to yeah to fulfill demand yeah for sure well i can't wait me either <laughs> So where can people find you? Like social media, you have a website? Yeah, yeah, we got a website, uh, www.castagnicigars.com, and you can read a lot about our um, heritage there as well, the story about the Castaglis in Cuba. You can buy our uh, accessories online. Um, but we do also sell them to bricks and mortar. I think Joanna was very interested. So uh, you might get some of our, I showed you one of our cigar holders, for instance, and we make these like cufflinks here. Mm. And we're coming out also with a line of socks soon, which is like 200 knit socks, you know, so you've got the the, the little tiny little cigars on there. You can even have the bands. So um, all of this is going on. Um, And um, so, yes, you can find us on Instagram, Mm -hmm. Castagli Cigars. 
and uh, Facebook as well. But I think it's all about Instagram these days. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, as you can see us making our noise, and of course, and uh, ashes of uh, ash. You really hear about it. Here you go. <laughs> so you've got us here. We've got a few podcasts going on. Um, we usually get some articles in Cigar Journal as well. So yeah. we've got a big one coming up for this Christmas, all about the Cipher three three one one story. Okay, great. So you can read more about that and uh, wonderful Mac. Yeah. Cigar Journal published in how many languages now? Christ. Yeah. Spanish, German, English, and they've just got a Chinese online edition. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. They're growing. Yes, Jeez. it is. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. This is perfect. Okay, very good. Yeah, thank and you And of course, so you'll be back here, hopefully. Yeah, um, when are you coming back? I, I hope to come back on it to New York. May have certainly if next year if my children want to visit New York and I've got a great friend down on the Jersey Shore so I can mix them up with craziness and concrete there and beauty on the ocean um, yeah. but uh, I love this city mm-hmm. um, it just as I was telling you just walking down here today to see I've got to try and take pick a film of a traffic cop waving their arms like a crazy man pirouetting <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff and then he had some old dude on a bike and he was so sweet I mean he's obviously gone through hard times and he said hey man you need a bodyguard and I said I said I want wanted to say yes could he just take because he was sick uh, it's only in New York right only in New York oh my gosh I know I yeah. think I'm kind of numb to it now when I walk down the street oh, like, when, just my, look at the when my friends come in town they're like you have not acknowledged any of the craziness that has been going it's, on I'm like I'm just used to it now it's I guess. nuts yes you've become one <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I always stay at little boutique hotels I'm in Chinatown the heart of Chinatown and mm-hmm. the guys at Russell said where you stay Chinatown you wake up you've got Chinese breakfast you've got little Italy up the road you've got crazy activity all around you Yeah. I mean why would I want to stay in a big hotel on the main bloody drag when we're up in fifth and when you've got this exactly because this is new york you get up you might as well live it yeah exactly you know i'm not going to go down and take some bits for chinese and chinese markets as well yeah yeah chili oils chili oil Ooh. those little shrimps on the bottom lying on there oh my gosh yes Ooh. can't get that in europe yeah, okay the, the yeah. place where i got our coffee they have really good empanadas with this chili sauce oh my god it's unbelievable you put the bloody weight on here and John's Pizza, that's my favourite here. John's Pizza's great too, I do love John's Pizza. Yeah, 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 so, you know, there you go. So I'll be back. Good. Always. All right. So cheerio for now, I guess. Yeah. Thank you, Ash. Thank you. Thank you again, Jeremy, for sharing these stories and creating the Castagli Cigar Line for our community to enjoy. Thank you everyone for listening and be sure you follow Castagli Cigars on all social media platforms and pick up a stick from your local brick and mortar today. Thanks again, everyone. I'll talk to you soon. La Fine Lam. Have you seen their new punch bracelets? Wow. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And handsome, handsome, handsome. These bracelets double as a punch cutter, so you can go every day with style and always having to avoid biting the tip of your cigar off to get all that tobacco stuck in your teeth whenever you don't have a cutter, because you will always have one now right on your wrist. What a beautiful concept. 
Their other products are so badass too, the knife cutters, oh my god, when I worked at a cigar lounge that carried them, no lie, I would just stand and stare at the collection so often. <laughs> They're such great quality and each one is so unique, even some of them have engraved blades with different countries and city skylines. Check them out at lafinelam.com to order. It's spelled L-E-S-F-I-N-E-S-L-A-M-E-S, a.k.a. The Fine Blade. And don't forget to follow them on Instagram. Lafine Lam, L-E-S-F-I-N-E-S-L-A-M-E-S. Enjoy it! <laughs>